Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas in the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. I am joined by Brandon Deutsch. Brandon, how are you doing, my friend? I'm good. Good. Um, you know, the All-Star Game's coming up this weekend. The MLB draft going to be interesting to see what the Angels can do. Such an odd team. I know we'll get into them, too. But, you know, the Lakers won free agency. We'll get into that, too. Summer League starts today. We're going to see Hood Shafino, Maxwell Lewis, Max Christie all play today. And that game will be over by some of the people that are listening to this, the 7 p.m. listeners. But uh, interested to see how they do. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I'm uh, really focused on the summer league uh, in Las Vegas again. As you mentioned, the early summer leagues. You know, you, you got those that are in uh, what are they, Brandon? <laughs> Sacramento and yeah, yeah. And when Benyama is not playing, and now okay. the Spurs are going to play tonight today. But okay. uh, when Benyama is going to play in Vegas on Friday, I believe. Okay, that'll, that'll be fun. And then, as you mentioned, Major League Baseball All Star Game. Home Run Derby Monday, game Tuesday, so that, that'll be a ton of fun. All right, Brandon, we, we were really talking about this offseason, free agency in particular. By the way, the leagues and the players do a great job where this thing is now drawn out. The free agency begins Friday. Basically, the majority of the moves are are made that first weekend. Uh, there was a lot of question marks, as we touched on before the weekend, about the Lakers. What will they do? And, and we kind of went through the list, you know, what do they do with Rui Hachimura and Austin Reeves and D'Angelo Russell and some of these other positions that they have to fill? Brandon, they had a lot of questions. Did they answer them all? I think that was probably the best offseason you could possibly hope for. Generally, your thoughts, and then we'll get into all these moves that they made. Yeah, I thought it was uh, an A-plus, as good as they could have gotten, uh, you know, better-wise in free agency. They were very fortunate a team like the Spurs or Rockets didn't offer Austin Reeves a four-year $100 million contract. That would have been the only way they could have gone up from the four-year 56 early bird, uh, you know, maximum extension, which he did sign, which I thought was a steal for Austin Reeves, considering he was their best player a lot of times last season, better than LeBron, better than Davis in some games. And Rui Achimura, you know, three years, 51 million. That's also a steal considering we saw his upside. And he looked like a star half the time in the playoffs. And, you know, seeing more consistency from him is going to be important. Uh, that saved a lot of money. D'Angelo Russell, virtually a de facto one-year deal. It's a two-year, 37 million, but he's a player option. He'll opt out after next season. They're kind of running this as, it, as a one-year, let's go and try and win a championship and then re- you know, look at the roster. Jackson Hayes, Torian Prince. Jackson Hayes, also a player option the second year. If he proves himself this year, and that was a good signing. He was the eighth overall pick a few years back, a couple off the 
court issues. I know he had a domestic violence incident, an incident with the police as well another time. But he's young. He's talented. Uh, hopefully he learned from his mistakes off the court and gets better on the court, helps the Lakers. Um, and then also when you look at Torian Prince for $4.5 million, great. Gabe Vincent, you know, we'll see if that's a great deal in time, but I like him as a player. Uh, losing Schroeder hurts, but I think overall it was definitely an A offseason for them. All right, so let's go through sort of the moves individually. You you went over them. Rui Hachimura, again, we, we, we figured he would come back. And, and the great thing for the Lakers is like the majority of these moves were made at market value or, or below. As you mentioned, the Austin Reeves move was the one situation that they could have probably had to have paid a lot more than they wanted to. I, the, the good thing for the Lakers there is that Rob Palenka, you know, they basically said, you know, if you, if you want to give him that $100 million contract offer, you can, but we're going to tie up your money for three days, and then we are going to match. Let's start with Rui Hachimura. Again, he uh, comes to the Lakers via trade right before the trade deadline, plays really well. I mean, one of... Uh, if you look at it, historic performances off the bench again. I mean, there was a couple of performances he had that the Lakers have not seen since 1987, 1988. It was just a really uh, great postseason for him. Uh, what does the signing of Rui Hachimura mean? Yeah, I think it it, it signifies, you know, there's a, a gap, a bridge that's been uh, uh, like a you know what I mean? They bridged the gap yeah. basically with this Rui Hachimura signing. I know it's not a super long deal. It's three years, but you know, I feel like it's a high, it's a low risk, high reward signing. It prepares them for this year. And of course, after LeBron leaves, which I'm assuming I, 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 I would probably assume this is LeBron's last year in a Laker uniform, depending on where Bronny goes. I think we all kind of get that. And I don't think Laker fans would even be mad if he leaves after this year. It'll be 40 at the end of next year. So I think it's, like I mentioned, uh, Rui Achimura's instrumental, integral part of their future. That was a great signing in Reeves. Those are the two guys that I feel like will help Davis. And of course, they'll get someone else when LeBron leaves. But, uh, you know, still contend in the future after LeBron, the LeBron era is over. The Rui Hachimura deal, three years, $51 million. Again, a very fair deal. The surprise move, and you mentioned that the Lakers moved on from Schroeder. Again, they had internal talks about what they wanted to do on that front. The general consensus was, you know, we kind of want to do a slight upgrade here. So they go with Miami Heat guard Gabe Vincent. Again, everyone knows about him during the Heat run to the NBA Finals. He signs a three-year, $33 million contract. Your thoughts on that move? Yeah, look, I, he, he, he had a good NBA final. Uh, he's someone that I think they envision that can guard Jamal Murray in the playoffs next year. I think they want to, they feel like they're the second best team in the West, at least right now. And I, I would agree with them. I think if we were to choose, I mean, a lot can happen, but if you were to choose right now based on projections and upside, I think the Lakers would meet the Nuggets again in the Western Conference Finals. That seems like it, it, it would happen more likely than not right now. Now, of course, a lot can change. Injuries, of course, you know, trades, anything. The Damian Lillard situation, something to keep an eye on. But I think that's why they got Gabe Vincent. Now, with three-point shooting, we know he's going to shoot worse as a Laker. They always do. Anybody who comes over to the Lakers, I don't know why. Except Austin Reeves, who we developed, of course, and Rui Hachimura in the playoffs. But um, 
you know, I think his defense primarily is playmaking, the moxie, the grit he has, the experience in the finals, by the way, and helping. Look, he didn't completely shut down Jamal Murray, but when he was on him, Jamal Murray wasn't scoring 30 and a half, right? So I think that's what they kind of envisioned for him. So I really like that. I think it's kind of a steal at three years, 33 million. I think he's a player that very well could have gotten four years, 64, just like his, uh, you know, teammate Max Struess, which I thought was an abysmal deal. But, you know, I think this is a good deal for the Lakers for sure. And then D'Angelo returns on a two-year, $37 million contract. Again, to your point, uh, you know, effectively a one-year deal. Um, We'll see what he does. I mean, he loved being back here. Again, a a totally different player, obviously, when he first uh, joined the Lakers as a first-round draft pick. uh, Just a more mature player. Didn't have, obviously, I mean, had a, a horrendous series against the Nuggets, but had a fantastic close to the season, great performance against the Grizzlies, really played well against the Warriors. Uh, Brandon, your thoughts on him coming back and really saying, hey, I got a lot to prove. I'm going to show you what I can do this upcoming season. And then to your point, he will um, opt out and perhaps go for a big long-term deal. Yeah, I don't hate it. This was a free agent class that really, there was not a lot of value. They were looking at Van Fleet, but they weren't going to give him a max, obviously, and they didn't have the means to give him a max like he got from the Rockets. Um, Russell's a guy that, you, you hit it right on the money, Ross, didn't play great in the Denver series, but won him a game against Golden State, a pivotal game, basically, you know, but was the guy who jump-started the run in game three that really pushed them over the top to take that 2-1 series lead after. By the way, they were down 13 points, 16 points in the second quarter, and he jump-started that comeback. They ended up winning by 30 or something like that. And then the Memphis game, where it was game, I think that was game five, right? Uh, That was an important game. Uh, Or no, game six. That was game six, right? Or no, was game four? I think it was, no, no, it was game four, because they were up 2-1, to and they were down four points or five points late in the game. D'Angelo Russell hit three threes. This is a guy I think, Arash, and I've said this a thousand times, during the season, it's instrumental having this guy. When LeBron needs some time off to recover, Davis doesn't want to give his all, because we know that's going to happen. You know, um, this is a guy that can really take over in games that matter and don't matter, like regular season games against bad teams. Like, you want 35, D'Angelo Russell can go get you 35 points and 10 assists in meaningless games that you kind of need to win throughout the year. Because we've seen this uh, story and movie before, Davis and LeBron like to coast to the second half of the season. I think having Russell for that first half is going to be instrumental, and we're going to see the Lakers with the pieces they have now win 50-plus games this next year. I truly believe that. Um, what they really did, Brandon, is, is really kind of add some depth here. Can you speak to some of the younger players that they brought in on smaller deals? But again, you know, when you talk about the talent development that they have and the ability to to really grow these young guys, especially at the beginning of the season, did you like <clears throat> some of the smaller moves, quote unquote, smaller moves that they made? Yeah, I love the Cam Reddish signing. They've been on him for a few years. He still has loads of upside. In fact, there were people that were saying in his time at Duke with R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson that he was the guy with the most upside offensively. Now, Phil Handy's the best developmental coach in the league, perhaps. You know, he's definitely up there. Helped Rui a lot. Helped Reeves a lot. He's helping Vanderbilt as we speak this offseason, you know, have uh, improve offensively. I think you put Reddish in the gym with him. We'll see a lot of 
Paul George-esque type of movements. Now, obviously, he's not going to be Paul George. He's not going to be a star or anywhere close to that. But what they're envisioning for him is that instead of getting all these DNPs, he can be a pivotal scorer off of the bench that can provide small ball defense. And I think that's that's going to be instrumental for them. And they got him for a vet minimum, right? Same thing with uh, with uh, Jackson Hayes, a guy they really need to play the five alongside Anthony Davis if he wants to play the four or come off the bench and provide some shot blocking, some being a lob threat, some pick and roll. High upside signings is what they went for. And I really like that. Torian Prince, by the way, I don't know how they got him for $4.5 million. This is a guy who shot 36% from three last year. Versatile wing defender, something they needed. A guy that can actually guard... Um, Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray in a playoff series, as well as Gabe Vincent, who's obviously a guard, six foot three, not too tall, but Prince is six seven, six six. So, I, look, those moves are tiny, but they could prove beneficial in the long run, especially now that Denver lost Bruce Brown. I think they're more susceptible to losing in a series against the Lakers now. So here's the the, the interesting. I think that the Lakers improved, and by the way. There's two kinds of improvements. I think that they improved the roster somewhat. I mean, it wasn't a drastic improvement, but they kept the core group. They made some improvements, so that's one thing. The other improvement that's really not being talked about is that they put these guys together at the trade deadline. I mean, the the vast majority of these guys came together at the trade deadline, and post-trade deadline, they were one of the best teams in the league. And by the time that they got to the postseason, in my view – I mean, they got to the conference finals. They were the second best team in the league. So when you bring these guys back, it's not just a team that, that lost in the conference finals. What you have at that point is a team with a full offseason, a full training camp, a full preseason, a full beginning first half of the season to, to gel. So in two fronts, that's an improvement. The Denver Nuggets, are, of course, the defending champions, everyone's talking about them. They lost a couple of key pieces, Brandon. Bruce Brown, of course. Jeff Green as well. Um, again, that's, that's not going to be talked about that much because, again, they come back with their two superstars and Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. But those role players, as we've found out over the years, sometimes you lose them and they don't make headlines, but you go towards the course of the season and you get to the postseason and it's like, you know what? They really miss those guys. So while the Lakers improved... Denver is not as good as they were. Yeah, absolutely not. I think Bruce Brown's huge. Huge. Now, I'm not saying the Nuggets can't go win a championship. They still have their core if they remain healthy. And Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, and Nikola Jokic, basically the big three that they need. And Aaron Gordon, who's a de facto fourth guy. Um, But they also need to have – now there's more pressure on Christian Brown, who we saw in the playoffs, to step up. Peyton Watson, who didn't get an opportunity in the playoffs, but is a is a versatile defender, uh, you know, who's very young, has high upside. And I didn't like some of the moves, specifically the Reggie Jackson move. Um, five million right? a year? Five million a year? That guy didn't even play last exactly. year. Why are you giving him five million? You could have gotten the Warriors even got Corey Joseph. I mean, that would have been a better deal to have him for a little less money, right? So I think that... The Nuggets, they don't have a backup center. I guess it's DeAndre Jordan. Um, not that they, I mean, they have the best player in the world, so it's not like they absolutely need one. They can manage. I just think like Michael Malone's, you know, he's, he's cocky right now. And I love, I think he's an excellent coach and a great guy. But I think all this talk might bite him in the back next season. I think LeBron knows that. I think the Lakers know that. Maybe they're not the team to do it, but some team is hearing this and the West is only going to get better. So I think the Nuggets are going to have a tough time repeating. And I said this, 
they lose Bruce Brown, you know, they go from almost a lock to be in the Western Conference Finals to maybe like a 70-30 chance now to get to just the West Finals, not just the Finals. That's like 40-60, you know? And they had this amazing run, and they were the best team in the West for the majority of the season, but you were not sold on them. I wasn't sold on them. Uh, they had a lot of moments during the season, and even a couple during the postseason, although not not too often, where you're just looking at this team, it's like, is it the best team in the world? And so, I mean, th- th- this is why this is not the Warriors juggernaut of a few years ago, right? I mean, yes, they are the champions. Yes, they have the best player in the world. I'm not going into the season thinking, you know, how the heck can the Lakers possibly be- beat this team? Another perhaps super team, though, Brandon, the Suns, Again, they, they, they accumulated as many superstars as they can, led by Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, DeAndre Ayton. They did put together a good uh, core group around them. Uh, again, they, they didn't have a ton of cap room. But Eric Gordon going there on a vet minimum deal, which is still uh, surprising to me. Your thoughts on the Suns? Again, top-heavy, yes. I was kind of uh, surprised that they were to put, they put together a decent team around that group. Yeah, no, I agree completely, Arash. I think the Suns, you know, Utah Watanabe, it's a guy who shoots 45% from three, some versatility defensively as well. Obviously not an elite player off of the bench, but definitely a good role player. Eric Gordon, I don't know how they had money to sign him, but they got him. But by the way, I don't, I'm not high on Eric, Eric Gordon anymore. I don't think he's ever contributed to winning in this career. He's a good player talent-wise, but every team he's ever been on, has he hasn't like impacted that team positively and i it's kind of sad to say because he's you know had a good career if you just look at every single team he's ever been on so i don't know how much that's going to help but again um even guys like campaign is going to step up they retain josh akogi um a few other guys i mean it's crazy how many guys they were able to get for the vet minimum that were able to take discounts and come play and try to compete for a championship still i don't love the bo contract i think he's a fragment of the player he once was right uh you know he's not even the same player that averaged 30 points per game two and a half years ago uh that's kind of important he's going to be making 47 million but I do think they're better than last season because you basically got rid of Chris Paul and brought in Bradley Beal and got better depth, right? So they're a threat. I think if we're talking best teams in the West, it's like obviously I think it's Denver Lakers are like by far the best two. You know, you could say the Clippers, but we know they're not going to stay healthy, so I'm not going to put them there. I'm probably going to put Phoenix as the third team. I think Golden State's going to have trouble even making the play in this year. I know it sounds crazy, and Armand always goes after me for that because all Steph Curry, like, okay, yeah, but they lost to Vincenzo. That's kind of huge. He was good off for them off of the bench. Um, so, yeah, I think Phoenix is right now the third best team in the Western Conference. I'm pretty confident about that. And we'll talk about this more in the next segment. But the Clippers, again, I mean, we we – I think their big move is still yet to come, and we'll see what happens over the course of this week. Again, they are, they are in the running for a superstar, whether that's James Harden, whether that's Damian Lillard. They did keep one star, or at least, you know, he was a star. But I, listen, I, I, I think he still is, to a certain degree, depend, depending on where he plays. Oh, yeah. Russell Westbrook coming back on a two-year, $8 million contract. Clipper stands are thrilled by this. And, Brandon, you brought up a very good point. He's made $350 million from the course of his career. career. He was vastly um, overpaid the last couple of years. This is a perfect contract for a guy who gets to stay home, 
play with a team that really embraced him and a fan base that loved him. This was a good move, I think. Yeah, quickly, I'll say this. Another de facto one-year deal. He's going to opt out after its player option for the second year. He's basically signing a one-year $4 million deal, and if he's completely you know, awful next season and doesn't have the year we think he is, then he makes $4 million again the following year, right? <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I think this is he really, he really loves being in Los Angeles playing for the Clippers. He's made enough money, tons of sponsorships and endorsements. I think this is a great move for both sides. And their yeah. job's not finished. James Harden's going to probably come too. Real, real quick, and we'll talk about this in the next segment. Again, it, it would be two totally different kinds of deals. What would these two trades look like, real quick? Yeah, I think I think really quickly they'd have to get rid of Marcus Morris's sixteen million expiring contract. Norm Powell, a talent, a talented piece, Brandon Boston, and multiple picks at least to get James Harden. And that's if the 76ers are willing to trade that. So I think it's possible, but who knows at this point? Yeah, it would make for a very fun season. I I don't know if it would be a championship team, but it would be a fun team to watch. And I know our good friend Grand Mona will be uh, will be intently watching that. So uh, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we'll be joined by Grant Mona of the Sporting Tribune. When we come back right here on the the, the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. what drives everyone to make the most of every moment we celebrate living large in the now in a city where time disappears we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever we go big we go all night and here everyone is invited to get loose and get loud this is circa you'll have the time of your life This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment or want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. All right, let's go out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline and join our good friend of the Sporting Tribune, Grant Mona. Grant, how are you? I'm doing good. Um, the Dodgers aren't doing that well, but I think that's just because I uh, I didn't cover them. <laughs> that's right. I think uh, I think it was. I think my uh, fortunes are reversing now. I think it's it's the opposite now. Before it was that I was just bad luck. Now I think yeah. it might be good luck. Exactly. You know, Grant. I, I was going to add every Angel game I've been to covering it. They've won pretty de- <laughs> pretty handedly. And by See? the way, until yesterday, until yesterday, they had lost four straight every game since I was there. Until yesterday, so you so, guys had a good say. luck charms. Well, good thing is, uh, Grant, you're 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 on uh, duty today uh, for the Dodgers Pirates games. Mm-hmm. We got Fernando Ramirez at Petco Park uh, for big game Padres and the Angels. Before we get into baseball, though, uh, Grant, I want to talk to you about free agency. I think the Clippers' big shoe has not dropped yet, but the first one 
or at least one that we were talking about going into Friday. Russell Westbrook coming back, effectively a one-year deal. But uh, listen, a great price for a player who played really well for them. Your thoughts on Russell Westbrook coming back? Yeah, it's it's a huge signing just because I think he was worth a lot more than the the, the money that he got. Um, you know, I think he took a significant pay cut just to stay home. And a lot of people are saying, oh, well, that's his market now. You know, he ruined his own market by, by his play with the Lakers. But if anything shows, I mean, he was one of the best players in the playoffs last year. I mean, not just on the Clippers, but in, in the NBA in the playoffs. And for the Clippers to get a guy that, Look, he's available all the time. He plays every game. He played every game for the Clippers. And that's something that you can't say about a lot of people. But, you know, for Russell Westbrook, he pushes the pace. He's still athletic. Um, with the Clippers, he just looked like a brand new player. And I think that's what they needed. They needed that fresh energy coming in. For him to take a pay cut to come back to the Clippers, I, I think that just shows that he wants to win as much as possible. Because I, I do believe that he could have got a lot more on the open market if he went to, say, Chicago or, or somebody that you know needed maybe even Miami. If Miami doesn't get Damian Lillard, um, he could have got a lot more. And he stayed with the Clippers because the Clippers believed in him. He was a great fit with their team. And, you know, I, I think even with, you know, the, the rumors of James Harden, just having Russell Westbrook on the team, even with James Harden is a plus. Um, even if you bring him off the bench, it, it's a huge get for them. And I know it's not a get, it's kind of just a, a, a guy that comes back, but you know, there's a lot of talk that he was going to take more to go somewhere else. And, Clipper fans love him. The Clippers organization loves him. The coaching staff loves him. So to see him in a place where he fits, he's back home still, um, I think it's a great fit for him. So the next shoe to drop, um, and we'll see what happens here. Again, they are, by the way, in the running for two stars. Well, I mean, I think more likely will be James Harden. But they have, according to multiple reports, dip their toes into the Damian, Lill Damian Lillard sweepstakes. Obviously, that would be a totally different deal. Let's start with James Harden because, again, as soon as James Harden uh, mopped it into his contract, the first team that a lot of people kind of looked at was maybe the Clippers because the Clippers can't package a uh, – put together a package of players that, that, that kind of keeps their core group together but uh, enables them for at least one year to give it, give it one more go. By the way – the way that they really set this season up, Grant, is, you know, Kawhi is going to be, you know, he has a player option for next year, Paul George player option for next year, Russell Westbrook player option for next year, James Harden the same. It'd be basically like, let's give it a go with all these guys and we'll see what happens. Grant, your thoughts on James Harden potentially joining the team? Well, you know, I, I think... It, it, the snag right now is that I believe that Philly wants to give wants to get Terrence Mann in this deal, and I think that the Clippers are very reluctant to do that because Terrence Mann is on a very good contract. He's still under contract for a couple more years, and you know James Harden going to the Clippers would be an excellent fit, in my opinion. I you know say what you want about his playoff performances, and, and you know he gets lazy at times. But what he is is a regular season performer, and that's something that the Clippers did not have the past two years, which is why they kind of slid down in the standings and didn't have home court, is because they didn't take the regular season as serious. And I'll tell you what, James Harden takes the regular season as serious as a lot of people. He was all NBA level almost uh, until he got injured. And, you know, after the injury, he didn't really look as quick or as the same. But, you know, a healthy James Harden with Kawhi and Paul George, and now that you have Russell Westbrook, I mean, that's still a formidable four, um, you know, to go against some of the top teams in the league. Say what you want. I mean, you know, defense in the playoffs probably won't happen. Uh, you don't, we don't know about the injuries. But 
it would be so much fun to watch. And you never know, like if you get a four, a group of four core guys that were, they're going to be future hall of famers, even Paul George, in my opinion, if you get four guys like that on a team together, yeah, it may not work, but if it does work, oh my God, I mean, that that could be something special. So um, I, I see it from the Clippers standpoint, from the Sixers, I don't, especially if, if they're getting just Norman Powell and Marcus Morris and maybe Robert Covington and some draft picks, I don't think that moves the needle for you as a Sixer fan. And and for a team that you just have Joel Embiid coming off an MVP year, he's in his prime. I would think that Daryl Morey would want to put it put together as best of a, a package as possible. I don't think the you know as as much as I want to say, it, I don't think the Clippers have the best package possible. They don't have many draft picks. They already traded two away for KJ Martin, who is an excellent pickup for the Clippers. But you don't even have a lot of first rounders. You don't have young talent. I mean, you could say Terrence Mann's young talent, but he's twenty eight already, twenty seven, twenty eight already. Um, you could throw together maybe Brandon Boston Jr., but I just don't see a package that would <clears throat> wow the Sixers. If if it was the Sixers, I think it would just be moving off the money of James Harden. So um, for a package, look, it looks great on paper for the Clippers, but I think there's still a long way to go here in terms of, of getting a deal done. And a few things I want to add here, Grant, to that. I think you hit it right on the money. I think James Harden's healthy. He's proven to be healthy in the rest of the season a lot. That's important for them. I think he would take your offense, obviously, to a whole nother level. It was, it was, it was the offense was hard to watch sometimes for the Clippers last year. Um, but I, for for the Sixers standpoint, I think it does make sense. And here's two reasons why. First thing, I think if they're going to keep Maxi, and I know they didn't give him the extension because they're in talks with Damian Lillard, and we'll see where that ends up. But if they keep Maxi, I think Harden was hindering Maxi's development personally. I think Maxi needed to be the second option on the team and he was really efficient 43 percent from three 20 plus point per game score guy that could average very well 25 26 points per game if james harden's moved and if you trade him to the clippers and get a few picks and morris's contracts is is expiring you could just have him off the bench for for defense i guess if he still plays defense but powell having another scorer off of the bench i think that moves the needle a little bit um, instead of having, you know, Harden, Maxi, and Embiid all switching off with the ball. You know, I think that's, that's something important to note. I think if you, if you get rid of Brandon Boston too, um, you know, then it's super easy to, to uh, get some young talent and get off of his contract long-term because remember it's a player option, right? That he, he's, he opted into. So yeah. He could test free agency again next summer. You don't know that. So that's why I think the market's kind of low for him right now. Yeah. That, yeah, but Grant, I wanted to – yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I obviously saying my point, but I wanted to ask about the um, the Angels because I know we talked about the Dodgers, and I want to get into that. The Angels are in a weird position. They were seven games over on Tuesday. If they take two out of three against the Padres, which I expect them to do, hopefully, but you never know. They've been losing to some pretty bad teams recently. Uh, there'll be five games over at the break. Not great, not ideal, but definitely in a position to contend and get a wild card spot. What do you see them, um, w- which players do you envision them going after at the deadline? We know who the Dodgers are going to go after. They're going to go after relievers, right? We know Victor Gonzalez can never throw in an MLB game again, probably after yesterday. But uh, the Angels, who are they going to go after? Look, I, I think for the Angels, like we've been saying this for so long with this core is that they need pitching. And 
the pitching has been better this year. There have been times where the bullpen looks elite and you have, you know, a core group of bullpen arms. You know, I mean, Carlos Estevez has been excellent. He's an all-star snub, in my opinion. I don't know how he didn't make it. Um, but, you know, you have, you know, Reed Detmers has been excellent as of late. So the pitching has been better, but it's still not up to par with what you need to compete with. And the lineup, I think the lineup is perfectly fine. I mean, Mike Trout's having a down year and he's still an all-star. I mean, Shohei Otani... I, I've run out of words to to explain how good he is, and and the fact that he is playing this, I didn't even expect him to be this good at the offensive end. I mean, I just I just didn't. Um, and his pitching has been excellent as well. It's not as good as it was last year, but it's still among the best in the AL. For the Angels, I think going into the trade deadline, do not be sellers at all. You're four games over. I mean, you're over 500. Even if they were at 500, I'd still say go for go for the the wild card. I mean, there's no reason why they shouldn't at this point. Do not trade Otani. Don't do any of that stupid stuff. You got to keep him. I know you're probably gonna, you might lose him. I, you know, a lot of people are saying this that the Dodgers are the front runners to get Shohei Otani. I think there's a good chance that he stays too because he loves his situation there. And I know it's a, a good marketing move to go to the, the Dodgers and all that, but you know, say what you want. He loves Anaheim. And I, I think he's he's shown that. He signed an extension. He he didn't have to, but he signed an extension. So I don't think they should trade him at the deadline. They shouldn't trade anybody. They should be buyers. I mean, maybe get one bullpen arm, maybe get a starter. I don't know how many starters are on the market right now. Because the Mets are in disarray, the Padres are in disarray. If anybody comes available from the Mets or the Padres, I'd say go for it. Get a guy like Blake Snell. Yeah, I also wanted to add one thing. I think a guy a lot of people aren't talking about that I think will be available is Dylan Sees. Uh, I think the That's Angels an could very. Pick. I think they very well could get Dylan Sees, and I think if in in a trade, a possible trade with maybe a Joe Adele or a Jeremiah Jackson or one of their top tier prospects, getting Sees. And getting possibly a Yon Moncada or an Eloy Jimenez is, is a good get for them. Those are guys that, you know, the White Sox might want to go toward a rebuild. They're not winning games. They have Robert, Luis Robert Jr., but that's a team. And I think another thing is, another thing to watch out for is a lot of people are so, like, confirmed that Otani's going to leave. Like, oh, he's a Dodger. He's a this. He's a that. I wouldn't be so sure. He signed with the Angels for a reason. And if they show him they can win, if they somehow make the playoffs, I think there's a really good chance he signs a long-term extension with the Angels. I still think that's on the table. I know people make like Jake make fun of the Angels, even though they're four or five games over 500. Focus on your own team, buddy. They're struggling too. <laughs> but uh, and they, you're acting like this. The Dodgers are just like a like somewhere he's the, all of a sudden he's on the team. Like they're going to win World Series. It's like yeah, sure they have a better payroll, they have better player development. But remember, he signed with the Angels because he didn't want to be so much in the bright lights now it's kind of unavoidable the angels let him get away with a lot like not talking to the media every day you can't do that on the dodgers you know i just feel like they've they've treated him like a family member and they've made it they've accommodated him in every single way and i think if they show him that they can win with him and with this roster he'll likely stay and that's an unpopular opinion the interesting thing is, you know, despite the fact that they're technically in Los Angeles and Southern California and all that great uh, stuff that comes with being in a big market, they're really not, right? I mean, the, the way that they treat their players with uh, kid gloves, uh, that that doesn't fly with the Dodgers. You can't, you know, tell the media to, 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 to do certain things and, you know, not shoot video or not tweet this or that. I mean, it, so it's a little bit like, the way that the Clippers are treated Kawhi, and I, and I still think that they, they they do this, but it's very interesting when you hear how certain teams 
uh, treat their superstars and kind of really tiptoe around the rules. You know, they, they do certain things that uh, big time uh, teams don't do, you know, don't want to knock them. But the, the fact of the matter is there's certain things that the Clippers do that the Lakers would not do certain things that the angels do that the Dodgers would not do. One of the teams, Brandon, that you brought up, and I think that this comes into play when you talk about the big um, all-star game on uh, Tuesday, home run derby on Monday, is Seattle. Seattle is hosting the game. Seattle has been sort of like that the dark horse team. Again, I mean, the, the contract figures you're looking at for Shohei are crazy, and normally Seattle would not be in the mix. However, when you look at what Shohei would mean to Seattle and the connection that they already have with Japan, um, is Seattle a team that you're thinking could be a contender? I think I think Seattle Seattle was one of my top picks to get Shohei Otani just because of that connection and Toronto as well because Toronto and Seattle have been have shown a willingness to include a lot of Japanese content and media into their team. Look, I mean, the Mariners had Ichiro who was probably the biggest guy to come out of Japan to go to the MLB for years and years and years and they they treated him so well. He's like family to that organization. And I'm sure Shohei Otani, you know, knows that. And Shohei Otani has has shown and he's been known to love Ichiro and pay his respects to him. So he's he knows how big of a thing Japanese players are in these markets. Seattle has the money. They have a, a GM that's willing to spend the money. We just saw him give Julio Rodriguez a ton of money. Um, you know, it's a market that you know, they love baseball there. They love their team. Um, they're going to love the basketball team when they get there. I know that. So it's a, you know, say what you want about Seattle. It's a big market. It's a great city. I've been there, a, you know, a few times. It's a great city to go to. It's, it's got everything you need. It's by the water. It's, you know, it, yes, you could say it's a little bit cold, but I'm sure Shohei doesn't really care about that. I think he cares about the marketing and the media. It's very integrated in Japanese culture, just like Toronto. So, I think that you're right. That is a very big dark horse contender. I think that when he goes to the All-Star game, he's going to see that. And maybe that may, may change his mind a little bit. Yeah, I agree, Grant. I've always been high on Seattle. I think it's between, I think it's a four-team race. Now, I wouldn't count out the Red Sox. And I think it's it, it's a long shot, but he's really good friends with Yoshida, who, who's mm -hmm. a Rookie of the Year candidate. They have a lot of money now that they didn't pay Bogarts. They didn't pay, uh, you know... Uh, JD, they let both of those guys walk. Um, but look, this is a guy who, what does he have? 31 home runs, not even at the break at Angel Stadium. Imagine with Pesky Pole as a lefty. Oh. You know what I'm saying? He, he, he would hit like a 80 home runs every year in the oh. pitching. I know it's not, but he would be the star. It's a big market. It's a historic franchise. I think the Yankees is too far-fetched. I don't think he would go there. Don't think he would go to the Mets because they haven't proven they can win. Um, but I think the Red Sox, Mariners, Angels, and Dodgers are, I think, then the Giants, five teams. Giants I too. think it's a five-team race. Giants are a huge, huge contender for him because they're literally a Shohei Otani away from winning a World Series. They play fundamental baseball. They find ways to win. And if they get a guy that can impact a game like that, that's a pitcher's park too. Man, I feel like that's a perfect destination too. And we have plenty of time to talk about this before uh, the game next week, of course. But uh, a lot of uh, the baseball world descending upon Seattle this weekend. Mookie Betts, by the way, playing in the Home Run Derby. I I'd be curious what Grant thinks about that. But also Shohei Otani. I mean, this is always a fun game for him. Again, the game last year was in Los Angeles. But Shohei Otani starting on the mound, or, you know, he got voted in as a pitcher and as 
a, a, a you know, again, he, he will hit and pitch. And I think that's what so many fans are looking forward to. Four Dodger players, if I'm not mistaken. You've got uh, Mookie Betts. You've got uh, Freddie Freeman, J.D. Martinez, Clayton Persia, and Will Smith. So, five. Uh, first, Grant, what are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to the home run derby. I think, you know, Randy Rosarena is going to be in it. Adley Rutschman's going to be in it. It's going to be a lot of young, fresh energy. I know last year we saw Albert Pujols be in it, and he got to the finals, which is crazy. But this year it's going to be a lot of fresh, young talent. Um, you know, Randy Rosarena has always been shown to be a really fun guy uh, on the baseball field. So um, to have him in that in that derby is really cool. I think that's going to be a really cool event. Mm-hmm. Julio Rodriguez is going to be in it again. Um, he's Seattle's own. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a fun. I think it's going to be a fresh, young, like energetic weekend. You, know, you have the, the Futures game and the Celeb game as well. Um, but I think the home run derby is going to be the best event, um, especially with that new format. I know it's not really new, but the new format, I think, changed the way we look at the home run derby. It's a really cool event. Um, and, you know, obviously the all-star game is going to be cool, but, you know, it's going to be mainly Rangers players on the AL side mixed in with some Rays players. But in the, in the NL, it's going to be a really cool, uh, really cool team. So I'm really excited to see the Dodger players. I'm really excited to see Mookie Betts in the home run derby. But, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, Randy Arena is going to put on a show there in the home run derby. Last thing I'll add, I know we don't have much time here. I, I love the home run derby as long as my uh, the team I'm rooting for as players do not participate in it because it ruins your swing a lot of the time. So so Randy Rosarena, not great for the Rays. He might have a, a bad second half. Really quick, oh yeah, really quick, uh, Brandon, uh, did you see Taylor Blake Ward's uh, mock draft? We got obviously like the, the league tries to kind of combine the uh, draft with the All-Star weekend. Um Mm-hmm. Again, you know, the, the, yeah, the, I saw draft, the draft in Major League Baseball is different. I mean, these guys aren't going to come in and start day one. Uh, did you agree with the top pick there? Uh, Dylan Cruz? Yeah, I think yeah. he's a generational prospect. Him and Skeens are generational prospects. White Lankford's good. I, I, White Lankford's good. I really hope one of the pitchers like Dollander or the kid from Florida um, drop to 11 for the Angels because I do think they need another pitcher. Stop taking college shortstops. They have Neto. That's their, <laughs> that's their shortstop of the future. Don't need anybody else. <laughs> Grant, real quick. Yeah, do, do yeah no, I, I agree. And, and the Angels should take their approach from a couple years ago where they just drafted oh, nine pitchers. pitchers. That's yeah. right. <laughs> I think that's what yeah. they should do this yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, especially since they traded a few just now for Eduardo exactly. Escobar. Probably trade a few more. Exactly. You know? awesome. I think that's the approach. All right. That's all the time we have for today. Again, we, we pr- probably might have Grant on if, if, if we get word about a big Clippers trade. So we'll, we'll kind of... Uh, Monitor that, see what the Clippers do, but it's going to be a fun, fun season. This upcoming NBA season in Los Angeles, the Lakers and Clippers and all that good stuff. All right, let's leave it there for now. Uh, We will talk to you guys uh, tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing, currency chasing. Worldwide through the hard times, worrying faces. Shed tears as we bury brothers close to heart. What was a friend, now a ghost in the dark. Hard part about it, brother got smoked by a fiend. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.